Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you're all doing well on this fine evening. Um, Eagle-eyed viewers will have noticed no Liam tonight. He is uh, busy. I think it's his brother's birthday or something like that, so, so we'll let him off. Um, but joining me, I have one of my favourite people within the Dynasty community. Uh, he has got uh, the the best voice, I think, as as Kev from Fancy Wildcard put it in the Dynasty circles. Uh, he is host of the Dynasty Drive podcast. He is a writer for the NFL Draft Bible over on SI and also, more recently, writer for Fancy Pros. Of course, joining me is uh, Anthony Crente, or as you may know him, at Dunshi Drive. How are you doing, Anthony? Good, Rich. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for the, the lovely intro. Makes me... <laughs> Kev's always too kind about the voice. Uh, I said it again earlier. I was like, that's too kind, my friend, too kind. <laughs> it's, no, it's fantastic to have you on. I think, you know, it's the second appearance on the show. I need. To... I think so, I... yeah. I feel like I do this every time we get a guest on. I can never remember how many times people are on. I need to get a better spreadsheet that keeps track of uh, of how many viruses. But yeah, it's um, it's fantastic to have you back on. Um, I know that uh, obviously love your work and uh, and love your thoughts and stuff. Um, so before we kind of dive into the main topic of the show, what we like to do when we get guests on is is really almost a bit of a an intro to you as such. So um, how did you kind of get into I guess playing kind of fancy football and, and that sort of thing, really. I remember getting into it. Jeez, uh, I guess probably something like trying to do some quick math here. At least that's probably like 13, 14 years ago, something like that, 14, 15 years ago. And, you know, being like a diehard, especially professional football fan and uh, a pretty big college fan at the time. And, Started out just playing redraft, like I guess most people probably do. But a buddy of mine was like, hey, you would love this and was instantly hooked and went from, you know, a league that year to more leagues the next year to, 
now just like everybody else who's probably watching or listening, like an unhealthy amount of leagues because you you can always justify it by their dynasty leagues. There's not that much in-season activity, right? You don't have to worry about waivers. But yeah, I guess probably something like 14, 15 years I've been playing fantasy in some aspect. Uh, mo- more recently, pretty heavily focused on you know dynasty and Debbie. Still with some redraft mixed in, but I, I feel like I'm not the redraft player I used to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it tends to be the way people go, isn't it? Is that you sort of, you know, t- dangle your toes in the water, start playing a bit of Dynasty, and then once you get fully hooked, it's it's difficult to to then go back, isn't it? And I yeah. think for me, the only redraft leagues I play now are essentially the you know big charity tournaments and things like that, and and my one home league, and then pretty much everything is now Dynasty. Yeah, agreed. It's the it's the turn uh, the charity stuff. And like the the last hanging on home leagues, and we'll get those converted to dynasty eventually. Everybody, we'll, we'll turn everybody. See, my problem was was that my home league we started a dynasty but kept the redraft, so now we do ah. both. So yeah. And then, how did you kind of turn the 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 kind of fancy football love, the dynasty love, into what what we see now? And you know, as, as you were saying earlier, pl- plenty of fingers in plenty of pies at the moment. Yeah, I. It sounds funny because I think. I can credit my wife a lot with like starting the podcast because I thought for a long time, oh man, it'd be awesome to do a podcast like years back and then just never really did anything about it. Right. And then saw, you know, or heard a million podcasts about a million different things over the years and kind of always harbored a little bit of sour grapes. Like, oh, I should have started a podcast. I could have had a cool podcast. And then towards the beginning of all this coronavirus craziness, it's like my wife finally gave me the push, like, just, just do it, like, just start the podcast. And I did. So that's why, like, I've told people before who ask for advice about starting a podcast, like, literally the best advice I can give anybody is just do it. Um, and then from there, I mean, that was, I guess we're going on, I forget, two or three years, um, but was doing the podcast for a little bit. Um, Zach Patra over at the Dynasty Draft Room at the time, who's obviously now with Draft Bible gave me the opportunity to write a little bit. Um, and those guys do awesome work covering the draft dynasty. I learned a lot from a lot of awesome people over there. Uh, so still like to, to do some writing there. And then, like you said, at the beginning, most recently with fantasy pros, which is, you know, the novelty hasn't worn off on that yet. You know, seeing your name come up on a site, you, you use still pretty regularly, uh, but they've got a great thing going and I'm happy to be a small part of it. So hopefully I can uh, keep chipping in, in a variety of ways, as many places as I can. It's, Dynasty offseason, which feels like the regular season, right? We're all churning away with all the big stuff. Exactly that. Exactly that. It's uh, time to time to get stuck into work. It's it's amazing hearing you talk about how you started podcasts because that's it's pretty much almost word for word sort of my story. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, wished wished I'd done it for a while. Finally got the push, but from the wife once uh, once we were in lockdown and things, and yeah, haven't haven't really looked back since then. Basically, so uh, yeah, I, I no. think we're we're probably not alone. Yeah, you know what that means. It's uh, both of our wives were clearly tired of hearing us talk about fantasy football to them. They were like, "Just go talk into a microphone to somebody else about all this stuff." Exactly that. My wife, my wife actually said to me the other day, she was like, "Oh, since you've started the podcast, it's been the best thing because you don't talk to me about football <laughs> at all because you've just got loads of other people to talk to." I was like, "Yeah, okay, all right, I, I understand now why you pushed me into it." Um, but yeah, so d- diving into the the show for this week, so uh, getting Anthony on. What, what we're going to talk through is some of our kind of biggest sell candidates. Um, obviously, you know, we, we get into the off-season and it's buy all rookies and sell all world players. Um, but I think that there there can be a little bit of nuance and uh, and sometimes you can kind of read into it a little bit more. So, um, so yeah, I, I asked Anthony to pick out three and uh, and we're going to walk walk through his with uh, with me throwing in a couple of my own. So let's start at the top, Anthony. Who's, who's your number one sell candidate right now? Start spicy, right? Nothing like starting with a guy who just finished at the top of his game. And I should quantify this by saying this is not like must sell, sell cheap, get out by any means necessary. But I am, if I'm rostering him, willing to float offers out there or put it out there that I'm willing to sell Cooper Cup. And I love the player. I love obviously what he did this year. He's still a top five option for me in terms of dynasty wide receivers. But I just think that in terms of what the potential haul could be for a guy like that, um, where you're probably talking about 
multiple picks and probably young players at the same position. And Cup is great. I mean, th- there's nothing to not like about, you know, almost 150 catches, almost 2,000 yards and over 15 touchdowns. Um, but there's bound to be some regression there. There always is. It's tough to sustain a kind of pace like that, even in that offense uh, or even with a quarterback like Stafford. He'll be going into his age 29 season, I believe. Uh, so he's not the youngest guy. And I, I don't buy into, you know, you have to sell every old player. I just think this is kind of the perfect storm of he's a high level player who's going to be highly sought after by some people right now. And if I can get an absolute King's ransom for him, say something like, you know, multiple firsts plus a guy like that I feel really good about, or even a, a high first plus a guy like T Higgins and maybe some mid round stuff. Um, I'd be interested in seeing what exists out there in terms of big offers like that, not in a rush to sell them cheap, but if for the, the Godfather offer, I'm kicking the tires on it. Fantastic. And do you think that, I guess, my concern with a player like Cooper Cup that's getting up there in age and, you know, coming off a, a record-breaking historic season, they almost, I feel, sometimes almost become like a consensus sell. Do you think that almost people in your leagues are almost expecting you to try and sell Cooper Cup so it brings that price down a little bit? I think... In some leagues, yes. I think he's the perfect example of a player where it's like if you're playing in a league strictly with people, you know, you know from Twitter, like, yeah, you probably have a tough sell. Um, if it's a home league or, you know, I have a hard time sometimes separating the fact that not all leagues exist on Twitter, right? Where, <laughs> <laughs> where we kind of all live in the same echo chamber where tons of people will probably think the same thing. So I think the biggest part of it is knowing your league and how somebody else might value them. But I think, I don't know. I think even despite the age, you can find a buyer, I think in a lot of places for a guy that almost put 2000 yards up and teams should look to run most of it back, like return most of those pieces there. Yeah. I I think for me, I'm I'm always on board with selling any player at, at peak value. And I think that even if Cooper cup, Basically, you carbon copied this season into next season and he broke all records again and had the overall wide receiver one finish. I can't see it. sounds ridiculous, but I can't see him breaking into my top six dynasty wide receivers. He's currently my wide receiver seven because I think that, you know, he'd then be going into his age 30 season. It's like the thing with these type of players is you're even you're not selling because of their production is going to fall off a cliff, but their value is only ever going to decline because of where they're at in age. Right. And even if he has that incredible season, he's not going to go up in price. So the only place for him to go is down. So I completely agree with you in terms of selling him. My one kind of caveat is I think you have to be really smart about how you, you go about selling him. Because I think that if you just, you know, do that, that kind of, People are probably fed up of me ranting about it, but you just stick him up on your your trade bait or you on sleep, you stick him on the trade block and oh, just yeah. like, oh, I'm selling Cooper Cup. Then everybody's automatically just dropping the price because yeah. they know you're trying to get out on him. Let the I garbage think, offers roll right in, baby. <laughs> exactly. I think you need to be really smart in terms of targeting someone that is very much in win now mode. Yes. And for me, the way I go about doing this is, People will talk about, oh, you know, everybody's in win-now mode. But I think the easiest way to do it is go and see who doesn't have their 2023 first. Because yeah. anybody who doesn't have their 2023 first needs to win in 2022, okay? So go and go and target those people. And I think that if you can kind of manipulate the conversation around buying somebody on their team and selling them Cooper Cup rather than just selling Cooper Cup, I think you can get that absolute haul for you, for him, as as you described. And I think if you can make that move, that's incredible. But I just think he's the type of player that you almost need to like kind of Jedi mind trick people into the fact that you're selling him. Because I think if you try to sell him, you're only going to, the price is going to plummet, if that makes sense. Yeah, once you hang the sign out there and say, you know, I'm selling a, a lightly used Cooper Cup, um, <laughs> Yeah, everybody will for sure give you low low ball offers. I agree with looking for somebody that's already missing their 23 first um, because they're obviously in it to win it now. 
And I agree with you wholeheartedly about trying to find somebody that you got to find the right roster that has a player that's young somewhere that you really like as a target, like picks aside. I would want somebody young that I feel good about, whether it's a wide receiver or a running back that, you know, maybe hasn't risen to, to full prominence yet. Um, so I don't know, you know, who that wide receiver is depends on somebody's roster, of course, but, um, you know, throw somebody like Darnell Mooney into the mix where if it's Darnell Mooney plus, you know, all the draft capital, that's something I really like. Let the other team feel like they're getting the best receiver in the deal while I still get a young wide receiver. I feel very good about plus the draft capital. Yeah. I think the obvious move we could sit here and we could say, you know, target Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Smith, Elijah Moore, but everybody's kind of alert to that move, aren't they? You know, yeah, sell, exactly. sell the sell the stud for the young stud plus a pick. I think, yeah, I really like the idea of of shopping a little bit cheaper in terms of the wide receiver, but you get that extra draft capital to kind of recompense yourself. Um, even I think it's, it's I seem to talk about him almost every week, but Rashad Bateman is seems to be the forgotten man in terms of sophomore receivers, and I think that. If you can get him plus, you know, first plus probably a little something else, I think that'd be a great move. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so moving on to my first sell. So, I feel like I might be angering kind of the Twitter hornet <laughs> nest right now um, with with who I'm going to throw out there. But for me, I just think that sometimes we go a little bit too early with overhyping players and and kind of get obsessed with a little flash or this team's going to move on from this player. So this player automatically becomes a stud. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be Javante Williams. Um, look, I love, I love the player. I love the situation. I think Melvin Gordon is likely gone. I think Javante Williams should take over the majority of that backfield, but I'm not convinced. And I just think the way he's being priced now is, honestly terrifying to me <laughs> um in current dlf adp he's the rb5 um you know he's going ahead of dalvin cook alvin kamara joe mixon um nick chubb austin eckler you you can name whoever you like he's you know i'm I just scared off at the price and i think for me you know potentially is this an opportunity to sell high it could well be. I could be sitting here with egg on my face. You know, he has a Jonathan Taylor-like year two and, and he's incredible. But I, I just worry that he is never going to be a true bell cow in this offence. I think that if they let Melvin Gordon go, I think they're going to bring in a compliment, whether it be in free agency or the draft. And I just love the player, but I'm concerned at the price. What do you think, Anthony? I have like a real... I love Javante Williams and my problem, the issue I have with him, I think lies pretty, pretty much in lockstep with where you are that if I was able to draft Javante a year ago or in rookie drafts, I'm glad I have him and in the right situation would probably considering would probably consider, excuse me, trading high for like an absolute monster offer. If somebody buys into him being, you know, the next Jonathan Taylor, the, part that gets tough is you, I don't want any part of trading for him. <laughs> like if I have to go acquire him, I don't want to actually pay what it would cost for me to sell him. You know what I mean? So it puts you in kind of a, a weird predicament. I, I love him as a player. He's my running back four, So I do have him rated quite highly. Um, but the uncertainty given, I, <laughs> I don't think Melvin Gordon will be back, but it doesn't mean that somebody else won't be there. And that uncertainty does, uh, you know, leave a little bit of un uneasiness. Um, I could definitely see selling him if you get like the monster haul. The, the interesting thing is for me with Javante Williams specifically, and I think some other players that get, you know, touted around once their ADP moves up on DLF or, you know, where they're ranked on keep trade cut. It's like I never see anybody actually paying the price. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it's just that we've all arrived at, okay, Javante Williams is going to be ranked somewhere between running back three, running back five, depending on where you look or what ADP. But 
how often is somebody trading like the multiple first for him? I'm sure it's happening, but it's just, I feel like more often than not, I see people trying to sell without the the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's difficult because when a player gets to this point in kind of dynasty value, you don't tend to see him moved because right. I think that, let's be honest, everybody's wanting that sophomore running back that, that is ridiculously priced. You know, you, you're more likely to see more Jonathan Taylor trades this off season Agreed. than you did last off season as such. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you that it, it's difficult to see kind of loads of kind of trades. I've, I've just dived onto the DLF trade finder because I thought rather than let's, let's speak in kind of theoreticals, let's dive in and see some real trades. So these are recent trades uh, so 25th of January. So when was that? Okay, so that was almost a month ago. Someone paid two firsts and a second for Javante Williams and Braxton Berrios. Um, hard to see that Braxton Berrios was a, a deal breaker in that trade. <laughs> um, and then, so 16th of February, somebody paid, traded Javante Williams for Hunter Renfro, a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and the 204 in this draft. So if really a first and two seconds in Hunter Renfro. And that's it in terms of trades on the DLF trade finder in the last month. So that's all trades um, done on, on myfantasyleague.com uh, in the last month is two. I absolutely smashed the second one if I'm trying to trade for Javante Williams. Hunter yeah. Renfro, a one and two twos, call it? Yeah. Oh, that's, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think you're you're probably right in that nobody's nobody's selling Javante Williams nobody's buying so maybe yeah. that's maybe that's why he becomes a sell because I think that price is just I, look I, I really like the player he's my dynasty RB6 currently yeah. I, I'm just conf- concerned about that price I think that sometimes as a dynasty community we get ourselves into kind of hot water by buying into limited production in younger players too quickly and I think that Yes, sometimes you, you do that, you know, you, if you bought into Jonathan Taylor after that flash at the end of his rookie year, absolutely incredible. You you know, you're sitting back laughing right now. But if you, you know, sometimes dive in and buy a, a, a guy that flashes in their rookie year and then eventually goes on to be be kind of nothing. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm concerned about Jonathan Williams. And as you said, if I can get, you know, two firsts plus, if I can buy, you know, if I can get, a guy that I had ranked higher coming out in Travis Etienne, plus a, a first, maybe even something else, um, I'd be very happy to make that move. Yeah, that one would be tempting. I because <laughs> I, I had Etienne higher than him coming out as well. Um, unrelated, but Etienne's a smash buy for me all, oh, all season long. Absolutely, buy the injury dip while it's still there. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, in the in the last three years. Travis Etienne is the in my rookie model. He's the second highest player behind only Jonathan Taylor. So he's a 90th percentile player in my rookie model since 2003. Yeah. Um, and Javante Williams is a 71st percentile. Just just to give you kind of how much higher on Etienne I was yeah. than uh, than Javante Williams. Um, so your your second sell then, Anthony. My second sell is Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns running back Nick Chubb, and. I like Nick Chubb, but I feel like I never quite like Nick Chubb as much as some other people out there. Um, Nick Chubb to me is, I don't think his value is far off from where he's often like ranked or drafted. I'm pretty much fine with that. I view him as like a back end RB one. I think right now I have him as uh, the running back 12 in my ranking. So as, as back end RB one, as you can get, (laughs) um, my problems with Nick Chubb is I feel like more often than not, I'm in a league where somebody values him more than I do. And he is a second contract running back going into his age 27 season on a team that while they love to run the ball and while he is great at it, uses a variety of guys. And Kareem Hunt's still under contract there. Um I know he was banged up last year, but we saw Dearness Johnson pitch and you know pitching work when Chubb was out or when Hunt was out. 
it's not that I think Nick Chubb is due to fall off a cliff and, you know, be a 900 yard running back or anything like that. I think he'll be pretty good to great. Uh, a running back that'll get you 1100, 1200 yards, close to double digit touchdowns and limited work in the passing game. But if I'm in a league where somebody values him like a mid range RB1 or, you know, even higher than that, because some people just view him as, you know, most talented runner in the league and are banking on the fact that, uh, that expansion into more of the passing game will be there. And I just don't think that's true. Uh, I think that the Browns really like Kareem Hunt. Um, I quite like Kareem Hunt as well for that team. And I think it's telling that when Kareem Hunt's healthy, he's often on the field in kind of high-pressure situations where the team is putting him out there because they trust him. They don't trust Nick Chubb. But the value disparity between those two players is, I think, much greater than it should be at times. Um, so again, not that I don't like Chubb. I think it's just a, a, a situation or an instance of me being slightly lower than consensus on a guy where if I could take my back end RB one and flip them for, you know, a first plus another guy, or even some mid round picks, depending on the context or makeup of my team, uh, I'd probably consider selling Chubb. It's just uh, right or wrong at running back. I'm always a little more uneasy with the age thing than I am with a wide receiver like Cooper cup or, you know, any of these aging wide receivers, how long do we get RB one Nick Chubb for like how long past 27 does that last? I think as soon as you put this guy on the, uh, on the show sheet, I started licking my lips because Nick Chubb, he's, <laughs> he's so I've just started writing for the LF. Nick Chubb was the topic of my very first article over there. Um, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, we, we get to dive into Nick Chubb some more. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of 50, 50 on, on Nick Chubb at the moment, which, which I appreciate isn't, isn't a great opinion for a podcast, but, um, <laughs> um basically I, I agree with everything you've said. It's the second contract is concerning. I think the fact that, as you said, there is somebody in every league that, that is a Nick Chubb stan as such and, and is obsessed with him. My concern is I think that Nick Chubb, whilst being an incredible NFL running back, from a fancy perspective, he is very good, but he is not great. And that is largely because his receiving usage is non-existent. If you look at the splits between him and Kareem Hunt, it doesn't even matter when Kareem Hunt's not there. The Browns still don't use Nick Chubb in the receiving game. Right. So people saying Kareem Hunt could get cut this offseason, he's got no dead cap here. That doesn't matter. Nick Chubb's suddenly not going to become a receiving back. You know, he averages 1.8 targets a game when Kareem Hunt is in the game, is playing and active, and he averages 2.9 targets when he's not. So, you know, yes, it's an extra target game, but that's that's not anything to get particularly excited about. I think for me, I'm a little bit less concerned and I'm, I'm one that is, is usually looking to get out of running backs a year before they hit that second contract because I think, you know, quite frankly, we'll always be selling running backs. But right. I think I'm a little bit less concerned about Nick Chubb hitting that cliff of Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell because that Cleveland Browns offensive line is incredible. Okay, they have got four elite options in terms of the two guards and the two tackles, I think are, are both elite at their positions. I think JC Trett has, I need to check his contract situation, but I'm pretty sure he's back for another year. And he's an above average center, quite frankly. That offensive kind of system is built around Nick Chubb running the ball. And I really believe that that's going to happen for the next two years. So I'm not concerned about him falling off a cliff because I think he will have that kind of, managed uses moving forward he's not a Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell where he is the offense and I think that he's also not a Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell where he's being held up as overall RB1 overall you know number one player in one QB fantasy leagues that's then going to suddenly completely drop off a cliff I think the price at the moment for Nick Chubb is as you said he's in that back end RB1 price range. And I feel comfortable that's probably where he's going to fit for the next two years. So I think that, 
you know, in a long-winded way to say, I completely agree with what you're saying. If you can sell Nick Chubb to somebody that is completely obsessed with Nick Chubb and thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread and, <laughs> you know, the, the greatest running back in the league and get an absolute haul, go for it. But outside of those people, I'm not sure that that price is there because I don't think he has that elite, league winning upside i think if he's your rb1 chance are you're probably not winning the league if he's your rb2 you're in a really good position mm-hmm. so i think it's a yeah I'm, i i agree good time to sell but it's got to be that right price again yeah that makes sense it, it is an interesting scenario with him though where i feel like almost more than any player every league has one every league's got somebody all in on nick chubb um, I think it's that I'm, I'm going to be a little bit disparaging now, but I think it's that <laughs> that a lot of people kind of have an ego and a lot of people think that they know more than other people. And I think that people who sit there and watch the NFL are like, this guy's incredible. Okay. And he is absolutely incredible. And it's yeah. like, I can see the talent. I can see the usage. I can see, you can see everything with Nick Chubb, but the ceiling from a fantasy side isn't there because he doesn't get that receiving usage. And I think that the person that uh, that values Nick Chubb over the top, as you say, in every league, and, and honestly, every league I'm in has one, it's, it's that person that is perhaps a little bit kind of thinks thinks they know more and thinks they can watch film and watch a game and, and draw out more than somebody who doesn't. And I think that those are the people that... Yeah, hold hold up Nick Chubb as, as kind of the holy grail. Yeah, it makes sense. And I don't want to give too much away, but uh the the lack or the you know uh never never seeing the increase in production in the passing game will tie into one of my other guys as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, we'll save, save that save that one for a little bit. Um and I'm gonna dive into my second cell. Um and it's <laughs> Perhaps it's, it's a little bit of a theme outside of Javante Williams, but uh, it's going to be Stephon Diggs. Um, I think that at the moment, you know, his current ADP, he's, he's wide receiver 11. He's coming off a top three finish in 2020. And I think the wide receiver seven finish in, in 2021. He is at the moment kind of a very solid, reliable, safe, Washiva back end Washiva one. It's basically copy and paste what we said about Nick Chubb, and yeah. you, can, you can say it about Stephon Diggs. Is that he's he's solid, but I just I'm concerned. He's now 28. Um, he's getting up there in age, and I just don't think that the ceiling is there for the price you're having to pay. Um, so I think that for me, it's a I guess a get out while you still can. Um, because I think that, again, you know, like I said about Cooper Cup, even if he has an incredible season where he finishes as, you know, just like in 2020, where a top three receiver, I don't think his price increases. I think he'd be going into his age 29 season and we'd probably see him as a back-end wide receiver one in terms of ADB and value. And so for me, it's, it's basically what we said about Cooper Cup, get out now if you can make basically the similar moves that we talked about Cooper Cup and, and kind of pivot to a younger player and, and kind of hopefully have something that can a- appreciate in value. Whereas with, for me, with Stephon Diggs, the only place he can go is down. Yeah. I have a long, a long standing thing with Stefan Diggs where I was super wrong after he went to Buffalo, like hand up as wrong as wrong could be. I'm pretty sure if we dig back through old podcast episodes that I'm probably on recording saying I wouldn't have traded like a second round rookie pick straight up for Stefan Diggs. I was fade wow. Stefan Diggs <laughs> at all costs when he first went to Buffalo and egg on my face was wrong. He was great and was still very good last year. Um, I agree that it's probably a sell while you can situation um, because I think you're spot on with it. it he's not going to appreciate in value anymore, right? Like that probably happened last off season for the last time where he had that big first year in Buffalo probably the value went up a little bit and uh, now it's probably holding or starting to fall. Um, yeah. I mean, it really is like copy and paste what we said about Nick Chubb. I view him as a 
safe, steady back end wide receiver one that I'd feel great about if he was my wide receiver two going into the season. Um, out of curiosity, would you rather have straight up Stefan Diggs or T. Higgins? I've got them back to back. Perfect. I've got I've got I've got Stefan Diggs ahead. I think if I was in in a league, this is gonna sound like a completely ridiculous take, but if I was in a league, I think I'd prefer Stefan Diggs. If I was in a startup, I'd take T. Higgins. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Startups, you know, startups are wonky. You gotta you yeah. gotta get your guy in startups. Yeah. I think I think the thing the thing with Stefan Diggs is that I'm a little bit concerned that the 2020 season was massively buoyed because he saw this quite frankly unsustainable target share. Yes. Where he he was up above 30% for the entire year. We now go into 2021 where we see the emergence of Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis in his second year. They obviously brought in Emmanuel Sanders, which, you know, didn't do massive from a fantasy production standpoint, but did eat into that target share. And I think that last year he had a 26% target share, and I think that that's probably going to be the norm. And I think that the only reason people are holding him up at the price he is now is because people are looking at Buffalo and going, Cole Beasley's gone, Emmanuel Sanders has gone, that's 180-odd targets. Maybe Stefan Diggs can get back up to 30%. Whereas for me, I'm looking at it going, I think Gabriel Davis takes a step forward. I think Dawson Knox is going to see an increase in target share. And I am guaranteeing that there is going to be another option in this receiving game. Whether it be that they spend a high draft pick, whether it be that they go and shop and, you know, maybe an Alan Robinson or, or that type of receiver that's, you know, slightly bigger body would fit in within that offensive scheme. And I think that also this offense as a whole probably takes a slight step back. You know, Brian Dable has, has gone to New York. It's hard to see them kind of moving forward and not seeing a little bit of regression in terms of overall production. So I just don't see where the kind of case for Stefan Diggs to be essentially produced at a similar level. Um, he's he's never really been a big touchdown guy. Um, I actually got into this with one of, well, not got into it, that sounds bad, but had a detailed conversation with Tom, one of my patrons um, in the Discord about basically Stefan Diggs, he gets a lot of red zone targets. And I think people hold him up as he's a good red zone weapon. But if you actually look at it, he gets a lot of targets between the 20 and 10. But actually his goal line targets or anything inside the 10 is really low. And therefore he doesn't score many touchdowns. Whereas you look at someone like a Mike Evans, now they have comparable kind of red zone targets. But actually Mike Evans gets kind of double or triple the amount of inside the 10 targets as Stephon Diggs does. And therefore, Mike Evans scores loads more touchdowns than Stephon Diggs. And I think that that's sometimes where we look at red zone targets and, and they can be slightly misleading because actually, you know, getting a target from the 20-yard line is very different to getting a target from, from the one, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's a great point what you said that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the the rest of the offense probably steps into a slightly larger role, Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And I agree. I think somebody else will be there, whether it's, you know, they bring in a guy like Robinson or, you know, they shop in that second or third tier of free agency, them going out and adding somebody like Emmanuel Sanders last year, even though it didn't work or produce, not that it didn't work, but didn't produce huge, huge results. Looks to me like they're, they're obviously still interested in investing at the position. So whether that's in the draft, free agency, whatever, I, I would expect them to add another pass catcher as well. So I'm with you there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked. Cole Beasley's gone, but I definitely think they're going to bring in another s- smaller slot type. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw Jameson Crowder or someone like that where you know he's produced in the division. They've seen up close and personal how good Jameson Crowder is. And I think that if you put him in an offense with Josh Allen... I wouldn't be shocked if Jameson Crowder was seeing a 20-plus percent target share. And I think that, yes, Colby's is gone, 
but Stefan Diggs isn't going to suddenly start running those short option routes that Cole Beasley's been running for the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, so that that brings us quite nice. Actually, before we dive in, Anthony, before we dive into your last one, so Stefan Diggs, if you could pivot from him, and we talk about the the young sophomore receivers and and that kind of things, would you do Elijah Moore straight up, or would you need more on top? I'd probably ask for more. Um, I'd ask for more because I think you could probably get more from the other manager who has more, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. If I could get Elijah Moore plus, and it doesn't even for me, it doesn't need to be Elijah Moore plus a first, like that'd be the icing on the cake, but I would do, you know, I probably would take Elijah Moore in a early to mid second round pick for Stefan Diggs. Um, I straight up, I'd rather have Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Like pretty easily. Um, but yeah, if I could have somebody like, yeah, I probably, uh, I don't know. What about, what about Devonta Smith? It's exactly the name Devonta I was Smith. looking at. <laughs> it's exactly the name I was looking at. I was about to say, I'd probably take Devonta Smith straight up. Um, I think Again, probably, yeah, I guess like context on like a specific team would be pretty important for me. Um, but if it was a team that, you know, needed some more of that youth or if I had, you know, okay depth at wide receiver, I'd probably do Devontae Smith for Stefan Diggs straight up. Yeah, I think that that's about the the range I'm looking. I mean, I've got DJ Moore, Stefan Diggs, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, all in the same tier. Yeah. Oh, and, and Chris Godwin's in there as well, actually. So um so yeah, I'd I'd quite happily pivot, you know, if I'm buying back what are we talking five, six years by going yeah. and Devonta Smith, someone like that, I'm I'm very happy making that move. Again, it's one of those, if if I'm in a win-now situation, I'm probably asking for something on top of Devonta Smith. But yeah. in, a, in a startup, I'm I'm taking Devonta Smith over Stephon Diggs every time. Um, so let's, I've, I've, you've teased it earlier and I, uh, I made your wait. But uh, where are we going with your, your final dynasty sell? My final sell is, uh, oh my God, I forgot the new team name. Washington Commanders. That's right. I still want to call them the Washington Football Team. That's a better name. I, 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 prefer, I prefer the Washington Football Team. Yeah. But, All right. Washington yeah. Football Team running back Antonio Gibson. Um, I was probably, probably a little too bullish on Antonio Gibson last year, and I really bought into he's gonna get the passing work. I and that's what I thought would. like supplement his value to where this, you know, top five was in the range of outcomes. I thought that we saw what he could do as a runner. We know what he's capable of as a receiver, both from college and when used utilized in the pros. I don't think this team is ever going to involve him as a pass catcher with regularity, the way that fantasy fans want him to. It was nearly about the same and two more games played in 2021 than it was in 2020. He had 44 targets in 2020, 52 targets in 2021, and two more games, 247 yards in 2020 to 294 in 2021. Not bad, but not, you know, the huge uptick in receiving work that we thought he could be in line for. Um, I think whether it's JD McKissick or somebody else, this team is going to keep another running back involved as a third down kind of back. And that really kind of kills Gibson for me a little bit. Not that I think he's a bad player. Um, but I don't think his range of outcomes is that, you know, mid-range RB1 like I did a season ago, you know, with top five upside if he gets all the receiving work. I don't think he's going to get that. And while good as a runner, I don't think his efficiency is as great as a runner to really justify ranking him like a back-end RB1. For me, he's more of like a middling RB2 at this point. Um, Just looking at it on player profiler he was 51st in the league in true yards per carry uh 47th in yards per touch he he's good and i hate to ever use that like cop out kind of explanation of a player like he's good he's fine he's a good nfl player but similar to what we said about nick chubb i don't think he'll ever get that uptick in receiving work that could you know uh hoist him or boost him all the way up into the upper echelon of running backs that we know we'll see fairly consistent usage in the passing game at a higher rate than what Antonio Gibson has seen for the 
Commanders. That is not easy to say. Washington football team. That's what we're calling them. Yeah. So, honest answer now. How excited were you? Was it the week one game where JD McKissick wasn't active and you saw an obscene <laughs> amount of targets? How excited were you after that game? I thought, wheels up, baby. I was like, we are right. And then, uh, yeah, JD McKissick was a thing all year long, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it should because JD McKissick got injured at the back of the year, back end of the year, didn't he? And yeah. um, even then, you know, yes, there was a couple of games where he got sort of six or seven targets, but it never really kind of kicked on and he never, it's such a shame because as a guy coming out, I was so excited about, I know that um, the head coach who I'm completely blanking on, Ron Rivera came out and compared him to Christian McCaffrey, but that was ridiculous and hyperbole, but I was so excited about, this is a guy that's, that's a receiver. He is a very good route runner as a pure receiver. And I was like, this is a guy that's going to be a movable piece he can go everywhere. He's going to be, you know, lined up outside. He's going to get usage all over the place. And I was so excited about that. And then they've basically just gone, nah, you're a two-down running back. And yeah. that's, that's all you're going to do. And it, it, it just it just feels so deflating. Um, I think, look, I, I think that for me, I, I completely agree with you. He, he's settled into this role where he's never going to be a – 80, 90% opportunity share. He's, he's never even going to be an 80% kind of snap share. He only saw, let's look at it now, he only saw over 80% of snaps in one game last year. Um, and that was a game that J.D. McKissick didn't play. Um, so I think that they're basically saying through two years, this is what Antonio Gibson is. And I don't think that if you're hoping for more, I think you're you're kind of letting yourself into um, kind of false projections because I really agree with you. I think he's kind of at his his ceiling, and, and I don't expect there to be anything more unless you know Ron Rivera suddenly has some sort of epiphany and says, "Oh, actually, we're, we're going to start using him all over the field." I mean, price wise, what 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 would you need if we're talking pure picks? What, what would you need to kind of move off him? Uh, I mean, I'd probably sell him cheaper than most. Um, but I also think I might like the running back group this year more than some others do. Um, so if we're talking about 2022 picks, you know, I'd probably push for a one and a two and maybe settle for something less than that. Uh, a first gets the conversation going though. And if I can't get a second, you know, maybe I settle for a first and a third or a first and, you know, a bench guy that, you know, more like a true kind of buy low player, somebody that I still think has some upside that somebody else might just view as a throw in. Um, but a first firmly gets the conversation going for me. It's, I like the player. I really do. Uh, but just looking at DLF's ADP in January, like I know that he is older and this is like the outlier of all outliers, but I'm not taking Antonio Gibson as the running back 13 ahead of Derrick Henry as the running back 16 in startups yeah which is another one where it's like okay i'm not i would do that in a startup am i going to go trade for derrick henry no probably not but i also am not taking antonio gibson ahead of cam Akers. uh probably not ahead of travis Etienne at this point i think that's that's the move i'm making if i've got antonio gibson if i can get travis Etienne plus which yeah. i think you can you can easily get a second on top i think you can probably get more um, but yeah, I, I really like the idea of, of moving on from Antonio Gibson. Um, we've had a comment for in from Thomas Tipple who says the play was always sell sell Gibson the moment the minute Rivera said the CMC gimmick because every move they've made said he was wasn't going to get that role. Tom um, gets it. Hey Tom, how you doing? Yeah, he, he he's a, he's hitting nail on the head there, isn't he? It's um, yeah, it's it's basically been you know sell the hype. Quite frankly, I think it's uh, it's always been slightly overhyped and um, well that that concludes the show but before you go Anthony I think I'm throwing this on you so I appreciate I haven't given you any given you any prep for this but it, I felt we're getting you know the dynasty guy the Debbie guy you, you, you hinted at the the 2022 running backs there so yeah. I thought you know quick quick kind of two minute overview who, who is it that you you really high on and really like in uh, in this year's class yeah, absolutely. I think that the 2022 running back class has been, there's been this weird kind of, I don't want to say consensus, but this weird sort of take like fade 2022, 
because 2023 is going to be so good, you know, headlined by, you know, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs and all those guys. But 2022, I'm very high on Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller is running back one for me. I like Isaiah Spiller a lot. I view Spiller, Brees Hall, and Kenneth Walker kind of in a tier on their own uh, where it breaks a little bit after that. My running back four right now is Jerome Ford. And I think I'm a little, my four and five right now are Jerome Ford and then five would be Kyron Williams. That's pre-combine, pre-draft without knowing landing spots or draft capital because that's kind of fluid for me. Um, I think from a pure NFL perspective, I expect the league to value a guy like Jerome Ford a little bit more who I think they'll feel better about uh, putting into a like true three down kind of role where Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, I think is absolutely capable of that role. Um, despite being a, a smaller guy, I think he's a really tough runner inside. He can pass protect. He can catch. He really does have a three down skill set. but I just worry. I'm curious to see what he weighs in at, what he measures at and if the NFL will invest day two draft capital in him. Um, if they do, like if a team takes Kyron Williams in the second or third round, I mean, it's going to be tough for me to not put him back at running back four after that, because I really, really do like the player from a pure, just like watching them on tape perspective. I gave him and Ford identical grades. Um, I just expect the NFL to lean forward with more of a prototypical build and to kind of trust him in that kind of lead role. Um, if they both go on day two, it's a coin flip. Take who you like. But I think I might be a little bit higher on Ford than some others to this point. But it's an interesting class because there's more depth than I think people initially anticipated. Uh, and some of that depth is more of like the James Cook, you know, receiving back variety. I know some people really like Rashad White and think he can be kind of a three down back. Uh, Pierre Strong is somebody I really like as a, a sleeper later in rookie drafts that from uh, South Dakota State. I think he's got the size, the skill set, and if he lands in the right spot, you know, could end up being a steal in rookie drafts. But uh, yeah, hopefully you held on to some 2022 picks because there are good players to be had, even though 2023 has been stealing headlines for a while. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of been my thought process i think it's almost been as you said consensus fade 2022 it's all about 2023 but actually you know yes whilst it doesn't have that potential star star power i think just from a numbers perspective you know because of covid and everything that happened this draft class is three times bigger than last year's draft class just in terms of total entrance like that that as a whole is there's going to be some some more potential there's going to be better depth um, I've, 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 a couple of names there I, I, I obviously need to go back and look at and, uh, and review because I'm I'm a little bit lower than consensus on Jerome Ford um, and I certainly value your opinion so I need to go and have a look at that and Isaiah Spill is currently my RB3 so uh, oh who do you have first Walker Bruce, or Hall Bruce, Bruce Hall is a, a yeah Bruce, Bruce Hall in terms of kind of my rookie model and, and where I value him on the tape and that kind of thing he's he's kind of head and shoulders above at the moment I think um, both Hall and Spiller, I, I like them both a very good amount. And I think both suffer from a little bit of like prospect fatigue where it's like, we've been talking about these guys for years already. So now that it's finally time for them to be here, sure. Maybe they don't quite pop like, you know, the ETNs or the Najee Harris's or the guys we expect to see next year, but they're good players, man. Also, I should mention uh, Tyler Algier, just so Twitter doesn't come for me. I know Twitter loves Tyler Algier, so I'll and just throw his name out there. Here's <laughs> the last question I have for you, and then we'll get out of there, because yeah. there's one running back that is absolutely popping in my model, and from what I've seen, I really, really like, but it seems like I'm the only person that seems to like him, and certainly in the DLF circles, um, I'm sort of alone. So it's Tyler Baddy out of Missouri. Oh, yeah, I... Okay, let me look real quick on my doc and see where I had Batty at. I really, I liked him a lot more than I expected to. Um, when you see like the measurable measurables, like five eight, one ninety four, whatever, I was like, eh, you know, I thought it was kind of going to be a little bit of throwaway film, but um, he really does pop. Like he is very good. I actually, after I finished watching him, was texting in the group chat with. Uh, 
Eric and Ryan that I do the draft Bible podcast with and Matt Hicks saying, uh, did anybody else kind of come away more impressed with him than they expected to? He's another guy that I think draft capital blue draft capital will be interesting for like to see how heavily a team invests, um, off the back of this like big kind of workhorse year at Mizzou, but he's definitely got skills. He's definitely got skills. He's got good speed, uh, good short area quickness. And I think he can, both like bounce it outside and run in between the tackles better than you'd expect for a guy that size, pretty versatile receiver. Like he's capable. Um, he's definitely flying under the radar. And that's like, I think the point of this running back class, like we've been talking about how good the re- receivers are and they are, they're great, but there's going to be some guys that go round two in rookie drafts. Like Michael Carter did a year ago or go round three in rookie drafts. Like Ramondre Stevenson did a year ago. Um, and you got to be on the lookout for those guys, whether it's Tyler Batty, Tyler, uh, Tyler Algier, um, Brian Robinson from Alabama, who you know people won't prop up, but the NFL is going to love him because he's an Alabama running back. Uh, so you just got to see where some of these guys go. Hassan Haskins. Uh, now I'm just, it, there's good players. Yeah. Go get some, I'm, try and get some 2022 picks if you sold them. I'm really <laughs> excited about you know, the number of third and fourth round picks that yes. I basically don't value at all. But I, I can just see myself only taking running backs in that round because it feels like this is the kind of class where you could have, you know, a player completely pop out of nowhere that was a, a fourth or fifth round pick in the NFL draft that goes into a, a situation that nobody sort of expects and then has an incredible camp and just comes out of nowhere. So, yeah, I'm going to take as many of those late round flyers and running backs as, as I can, certainly going into next year. Um, so, yeah, so thank you ever so much for coming on, Anthony. It's been absolutely fantastic. I thoroughly enjoy um, getting you on, thoroughly enjoy having a good chat with you. It's always always enjoyable. Um, for the guys listening and indeed watching along, where, where can they find you? Where can they uh, read your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rich. Always nice to to catch up and talk shop with you. Like, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. There's new episodes of a podcast of the same name, the dynasty drive every Friday uh, minus like the last three Fridays was on a little bit of a vacation, but that'll be back this week. Um, You can catch new episodes of the dynasty draft room, which I co-host with Ryan Searfoss and Eric Adams on the NFL draft Bible podcast network every Wednesday. And uh, all my written content is available with the NFL draft Bible, which is si.com forward slash NFL forward slash draft. And, now at Fantasy Pros as well. So there's uh, like three or four articles in the work for Fantasy Pros that'll be out over the next month or so. Everything from, you know, rookie sleepers to players that are undervalued in the NFL draft and some mock drafts as well because who doesn't who doesn't love a good mock this time of year? But yeah, that's everything. And uh, Rich, I appreciate it. So I always love talking with you. That is fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, listeners, before you go, a couple of quick teasers from me. So, Listener League, obviously, we will postpone that for a week. Uh, we will be revealing the lucky people who have got those four lucky spots. Um, Liam will be back next week to do that. Um, and also, UK listeners, there is a very, very exciting announcement on Thursday at 12 noon. Make sure you're following at underscore UKFFC. Um, We've got some very exciting news coming. So, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, speaking to you next week and have a good one. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.